Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! The people have demanded this particular episode or what I imagine is going to be set of episodes and we are going to give the people what they want. Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. So I've been toying with this idea of doing more stuff that's a little off the beaten path and is a little silly, but still fits into my purview of things that I like and things that I'm about. If you listen to me on any platform, you know that I've got some sci-fi geek in me and I am not afraid to talk about those things, whether I'm talking about Avengers Endgame or if I'm talking about Hamilton. I've got interest, man. One of the things that I'm most interested in I love sci-fi and I love Star Trek and I love that BBC America gives me episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek The Next Generation. I have not, and you'll hear me talk about this, I have not checked out Discovery yet. It is on my list of things to watch and maybe since I'm finishing this up tonight, I'll just watch some of it. I did watch Picard and you'll hear Maggie and I talk about it. As a matter of fact, I just mentioned that Maggie Hendricks is part of this too. By the way, this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Mazda of Orland Park, zoomzoomnation.com. If you are looking for a car, you should go to them out there in Orland Park. Ask for Eric. I'm telling you, he can, he can help you. Be like, hey, I heard about you on House of L when he's doing all that geeky stuff. And Eric will point you in the direction of a good, good vehicle. We are also brought to you by Team Hockberg. If you are buying a home or if you're trying to refinance your own home, you should call David. Here's how you can call him. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com if you want to do it on the web. He helped me get the place in High Park. He helped me get the place in Kenwood. And he helped, well, he didn't help me get the place in Kenwood. He helped me refinance the place in Kenwood. Either way, he can help you. So he's done both things for me. Let him do all of these things for you. Okay? 855-56-DAVID. 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. Maggie Hendricks and I have a bond. We both have a love for cookies her making the cookies and me eating the cookies and she's nice enough occasionally to bring cookies to me so i could just have them which is wonderful she's one of the best bakers i've ever met 
We also bond over Star Trek. Like, she is my Star Trek consigliere. Like, literally four times a week, I'll text Maggie about something, some new epiphany that I've had the 13th time I've seen Best of Both Worlds. There's something that hit me. And she'll be like, oh, yeah, and then we talk about it. So we have been toying with the idea of doing a podcast on Star Trek. I think that the subject matter is too broad for us to cover everything in one episode. So I already have it in my plans that we're going to do this more than once. And there's going to be different subjects that we cover in it. And if you have suggestions on things that you would like to hear us cover after you listen to this episode, hit me up, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Wait. Write it down because you're going to forget. House of L podcast at gmail.com. And then I'll see if I can weave some of that stuff into the next time that Maggie and I sit down and talk Trek. We also don't have a name for this yet, which is why it is what it is right now. Lawrence and Maggie talk Star Trek. But if you want to give this segment of the podcast a name, we are open for business on that too. House of L podcast at gmail.com. Maggie has a keen mind. She's a good person. And I really do like the way that she thinks and talks about Star Trek. I'm glad that we got an opportunity to have a conversation about all things Trek. And I think especially for people who love Star Trek and all versions of Star Trek, I think you'll enjoy it. But even if you don't enjoy Star Trek, I think that you'll enjoy just two friends hanging out and talking about geeky stuff. So without further ado, the first part of Lawrence and Maggie Talk Star Trek. Enjoy. So my brother watched The Next Generation and at first I was always like, like I would make fun of him for watching it, which is so funny because I'm a much bigger Trekkie than he is now. Um, and then one time he was like, just watch it with me. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll watch it with you. And then I started to like it a little bit. And then Best of Both Worlds happened. And I completely fell in love once Best of Both Worlds came along. Um, and I mean, much of it, I ended up catching on reruns and, and later on, like not uh, during its original run. And I didn't watch the original until like, it was not that long ago because I was, I was married to Pete at the time. So it was not longer than seven years ago. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But it was it was mostly my brother just being like, no, I think he would like this. And as much as it pains me to say, he was right. That's interesting that it took you so long to go back and watch the the original one. But you're you're so right about and you know how I feel about best of both worlds. Like I love all of it. And every time that I get a chance to see it now, I'm like looking at different things. So, like, the last time that I watched it, which was last week, because BBC America is so kind in showing us all of the episodes that we can handle, I was only focused in on the score of it. 
Like how, how that, that's the episode where you kind of knew from the music, like as the episode starts, you kind of know this is a little darker. And I've read a lot of stuff about how the Borg were like the first thing in Star Trek that Roddenberry didn't have his hands on because he had passed away. And that Roddenberry's idea of the future was a kind of a brighter, lighter, like, hey, we're all in this together, and isn't this awesome? And this was the first time where the series had deviated from that, and that there was this kind of, oh, my God, like, this, is, this isn't just an enemy. Like, this isn't the Klingons or the Romulans. Like, this is, this is something that strikes everyone. I think even if you're not a Star Trek fan... I feel like best of both worlds, like the idea of your own individuality being taken away is terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, it's like when you look at the Romulans and the Klingons and the Cardassians and all the different uh, species that you come across watching it, individuality is still incredibly important to all of them. So that's what I think was so interesting about the Borg is like, it made all of the little squabbles with the Klingons and with the Frangi and whoever not that important because they realized they all had to figure out how to deal with this enemy. That came up again, obviously, again, during uh, Deep Space Nine with the Dominion. But I think best of both worlds, I think anything Borg was the first time you saw, like, all of our little individual scraps don't mean anything. And the Dominion stuff felt more personal. Like, there was a reason. There, there's a reason that the Changelings didn't like solids. And it felt personal with the Borg. It wasn't personal. It was just... No, I mean, it, it was irrelevant. Literally everything you said, like, like, hey, but we're friends. And eh, friendship's irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. And so they just want to destroy you. And you just got a deal. So, so is TNG your favorite? Or as you've gone along, did other things creep up? Deep Space Nine's my favorite. Deep Space Nine? I thought you were going to say Voyager. Okay. I do love Voyager, but I feel like Voyager is extremely uneven because you'll get like six great Voyager episodes and then you'll get a whole bunch of holodeck nonsense. So like I, I, when I just know that I'm going to see some good episodes, I, I just love it. I love Kieran Arise so much. She's one of the most interesting characters i think in the entire star trek lexicon because she's a former terrorist i mean that's a lot that's a lot to be carrying she carries a lot around and so i love that we get to see her figure out you know figure all these things out of and and then all these things of them figuring out how to take a world from being absolutely destroyed by the cardassians and how you move that into federation without losing the Bajoran individuality and and then when you throw in the wormhole and the the religion aspect of it most of Star Trek up until that point kind of winked and nodded winked and nodded at religion made fun of it a little bit you know it, it, you you definitely felt Gene Roddenberry's atheism come through which I mean I that's fine but that's also not how the world is there's a lot of religious people and so I was really, I always appreciated how respectful and thoughtful 
the, the discourse was on religion on on Deep Space Nine. What I loved about Deep Space Nine when it came to the religion part is how political religion is. And you saw like the inner workings of who's the Kai on, on Deep Space Nine and at some point, you and I are going to do a whole thing on villains. Like, I got a whole list of, of yeah. episodes, and I got Kai Wen up there high. Like She's insidious. Just the worst. Well, the second worst, as far as I'm concerned. But the worst. The worst. Like, I was watching an episode, and I wanted – I think I may have even texted you and been like, it's so condescending when she would call Kira child. I yeah. just – it just even now like makes my skin crawl because it's so like I'm so above you and mm-hmm. you're you're a child and you don't know anything about anything. And it's just every time she came on the screen, it, it just elicits a response from me. And there are religious leaders today in this country, in this world that are just like that, that are so condescending, that so look down at you and don't think you can understand and. There, I mean, that exists. That absolutely exists. So I think I think that's one of the reasons why she is so, why she gets under our skin so much is because there's things of her that, like, we understand that. We understand who that person, we know her. We know exactly who, who Kagan is, like, completely. So what was the point where you realized that even as someone who enjoyed TNG, that Deep Space Nine became, like, your thing? And and when it started, when DS9 started, did you have high hopes for it? So I started watching DS9 when, this is so funny, I was uh, the, like, weekend and, and nighttime receptionist at my parish in Sacred Heart when I was in high school. That was my job. I think I made $4 an hour. Was, yeah. Um, and... It was on every Saturday afternoon, and I would st- I would still be at the rectory on Saturday afternoons, and we had this like broken TV, but you could get Channel Fifty in it, and that's where you could that's where back in the days, kids, that's where we would watch Star Trek. So I started watching it then, and I think as a teenager, I wasn't I wasn't like mature enough to really get and understand it. So I didn't really like I would watch it because it was on. And I think there was like an afternoon block with like that and then Xena Warrior Princess yes. and, and then Hercules. Yeah. Like, that was like the afternoon. That's what I would do. I would should be doing homework, but I was watching DS9. Um, and it just didn't didn't stick stick much. And then when I was in uh, grad school for religious studies, I obviously I was working and blogging full time and then also in grad school. So I was up all the time. And I think, I cannot remember what station it was, but they ran Deep Space Nine at like two in the morning. So I started watching it again. And this was like my late 20s. And I started watching it again. And Maggie in her 20s, who's going for a a graduate degree in religious studies, I mean, it just, it completely clicked to me. Please tell me that you did some projects on it. I didn't because it just didn't really fit in with my, with my like, with my classes um but i mean i could absolutely write a a a, i could write so much on deep space nine and catholicism and like thomas aquinas i would happily (laughs) write that article because it because 
first of all, then I'd be using my grad degree for something. But second of all, because I mean, it, it exists. There's so many, there's so many parallels and understandings of religion and all of that. So yeah, I think Deep Space Nine didn't really click to me until I was in a, I think I, I was mature enough to really appreciate everything that had been happening. What I think is interesting about DS9 and in, in a direct comparison to TNG is that TNG kind of lived on the surface of everyone else. Like, it yeah. was like, oh, you know, they're the people that are from Earth, and then we'll kind of do a little bit of this Klingon thing, and we'll maybe do a little bit of this Betazoid thing, but you never felt immersed in it. And right. with DS9, I felt immersed in Cardassia. I felt immersed in Bajor. I felt immersed in, in Ferengi culture. I thought they did a better job of blending everyone's culture together and making it so that you were, as a viewer, were invested in all aspects of the people who were on the the station instead of them kind of just being ancillary characters. Well, I think like the best the, the best um, comparison of that is when you look at the Maquis. You look at this terrorist group. You got a bit of the Maquis. You found out. You learned that Rolaren ended up joining the Maquis. Spoiler alert. Um, you, you know, you got all of these little bits of that they were a terrorist organization. Because this, the station was directly affected by the Maquis, it wasn't just like zooming in to help. It was actually, there were Maquis people on the station. There were all kinds of issues happening right there. Uh, Thomas Riker trying to steal the Defiant, all these things. You, you understood a lot more, not just of why the, the, um, Starfleet was nervous about them, why they didn't like the Maquis, but also why somebody would want to be a part of the Maquis. Like, and that is like a view from the terrorists. It's dangerous, but it's also something that I think is worth figuring out. Like, okay, so what, why, if you're a Federation citizen and you live, you have paradise available to you and all of this, why would you want to go and fight against it? And then you go and you see like, oh, they're living under Cardassian rule and the Cardassians are treating them terribly and they don't, they don't feel like they have the protection of Starfleet. Okay, well, maybe. And even Ben Sisko struggles with that. Like he even says when he's, when he's having that issue with his, that his friend is like standing up for the Maquis, he's saying, well, everybody on earth, they don't get it. They're the ones who don't get it because they're the ones who, they're living in paradise. You're living on earth in a couple hundred years, hopefully. It's paradise. So of course you don't think that the Maquis has any real concerns. But Ben living out on there, he's like, well, maybe, maybe they do. How scary is it that that flashback episode that DS9 did is uh, way too close to what's happening right now? Well, and if you remember, I mean, Trump has done so many things that we that, that we can talk about for days about of the awful things he said. But he on a trip to San Francisco, he complained about the homeless that he had to see and wanted them just to be rounded up and taken somewhere, which is exactly how the sanctuary districts start. 
on that on the past was a past tense episode and so like when that happened I was like when I saw he said that I was like that is too close that is way too close to what was written in that very very prescient episode that was written 20 something years ago is scary like even even some of the the like Dax being able to manipulate media and like yeah. the important role that media plays in telling this, all of it. Like, I'm just like, wow, they were really, whether you're talking about Roddenberry or Serling, the, the people involved with some of the sci-fi stuff, like they really are, you know, I don't know if, if it's, if it's art or life imitating art or that they just have a, a sense of, what the world can or will be like and some of the the trappings that technology allows for us to to fall into the whole thing is is really 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 fascinating there's one part of of ds9 that i wanted to talk specifically like you're like the only person that i want to talk to about this um because i i realize it and i don't know i don't know if this was a choice by avery brooks or if this was something that was written in, I love how affectionate he is with Jake. Yeah. It, it, it comes across like every episode. He kisses him all the time. And yeah. I don't know if that was something that he was like, oh, well, you know, I mean, it's a man and, and his son on this space station and and they have to be that close with each other. Or if if Brooks was just like, well, yeah, that's that guy's my son. So I want to treat, I I just think it's a really good representation of fatherly affection. I completely agree. And it starts with the first episode when you, in the, um, in the pilot, I, I can't remember what the, Oh, emissary in the pilot. Um, he makes this like, he, like Jake says something like, okay. And his dad says, Cisco says back, okay. And that's exactly what a dad would do. It's just this very funny little moment, but it says so much about the rela- the relationship between not just the father and son, but a single dad and a son, and a dad and in a single dad and a son who have really been through some shit. You know, I mean, they they lost the the woman that they loved, and so their relationship has to be strong. But I I I would imagine a lot of it is an Avery. Brooks choice but I'm sure there's some writing in it too that it's it's that Cisco understands how important it is for him to be a good dad to Jake in this very specific situation that they're in and like how and and I have read some things from Avery Brooks saying like it was important to him when he was talking with writers and producers and everything to really show that strong relationship and when you go throughout the whole series, and even the way the series ends, it, that's the that's the key relationship. It's it's Jake and Cisco. Like they, the two of them, like they're just they're at every little turn when there's good and there's bad. Those two are at the center of it. And even even when um, Jake gets left on the station during the occupation, like that's the thing that tears at at Cisco the most. You know, he can't. He does not. He is, he is absolutely destroyed by the fact that his son stayed there, but he didn't have much choice in the situation. So, yeah, I mean, that's I, I love their relationship. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I love that they are, yeah, are affectionate and real and just a real father and son. And I feel like in the 90s, correct me if I'm wrong, after the Cosby show ended, even with all the awfulness that was happening there, and maybe after a different world ended, there weren't enough of those kind of depictions on television of a black father, a black single dad and a son. So like having that in sci in sci-fi world, like I think that's huge. Yeah, I mean you get like the opposite representation from Fresh Prince where Will is reach has been reaching out to his father for the entirety of the 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 series and then of course like the iconic episode where he he declares like I don't need him and why doesn't he want me? Where you have this almost opposite relationship going on with Benjamin and Jake, and I think it's great, and I think that it it does go uh, against the the false narrative of of black fatherhood too. Like I think that that's a really powerful thing that is happening there with Benjamin and Jake, and just. I really like 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 it. Like my I'm close with my dad but we're not affectionate. And it's, so it's interesting to watch my grandfathers were kind of different too. Like my my mom's dad was like super affectionate with the boys. And cuz there were just a bunch of boys that were born in succession in, yeah. in our family. And my other grandfather was a little bit more he was hard like both of them were hard men as you can imagine of black men growing up, you know, in the twenties and thirties, but it just, it makes me laugh because while my dad isn't affectionate in that way, like he's super sweet and, and I could see him if he were, 
depicted in a movie of being like that or, or in a show him being like that. But I just really appreciate it watching that relationship really be, as you said, like a central focus of it. And then they give you the next generation where you see Benjamin with his dad and you yeah. see what that relationship is like. So there's this string of Cisco men that are super affectionate and very tight knit. Yeah. I mean, and we don't get to see what ends up happening with Jake Sisko's life after his dad goes to whatever realm. But you are, I'm completely confident that in Jake Sisko's future, he's going to be a good dad. And he, because he's had, even if his, his father's not being a, a true grandfather, he's still going to be a part, like he's still going to be a part of this. And even then with the baby that um, Cassidy has at the end of the show, that you know that Jake is going to be a good uncle or a good big brother and really take care of him because that's what he's been taught by his father. Like none of that has to be said. It's just, it's just there. TNG is my favorite, but DS9 is creeping up on it now. Like the more I watch it, the more... I like it. Like, it, it's going to be hard to overcome because you know how I feel about Riker. I do. But it's it's creeping up. And I've only watched Voyager through a couple of times. I've been seeing lately some debate uh, about the Tuvix character on Voyager. Yes. It's It's been interesting, like, seeing some of that dialogue go on on Twitter. And I have not, I haven't started Discovery yet. Okay. It's on the it's, it's it's in my plans now that I've got everything set up with the television where I've got all of the apps they're now <laughs> on the TV. I don't have to do the screen sharing thing or anymore. So I'm looking forward to to kind of getting into it and I loved watching the original. Oh yeah. Once I like once I watched it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is ridiculous." And I love the original movies. I have watched like you know how sometimes you just need a movie on yeah whatever you're doing you just need a movie it is probably eight times out of ten it's the wrath of Khan is my movie that's on. it just is i just i love it i absolutely love it and i i i really love the original series movies the next generation ones are are up and down um but the the yeah the original movies and the whale and double dumbass on you like i love it I love it. I ran across an episode today and I was I was going to text you but I knew that we were doing this so I didn't. So the episode where um it's where Lieutenant Barkley is seeing things in the transporter. Oh yeah, I was watching that this afternoon too. There's an Ensign Janeway. Oh, I never that. They make mention of an Ensign Janeway in that episode. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. I think sometimes there is a, there's a lack of creativity in names. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin is the worst at that. There's somebody named Gianelli in every single Aaron Sorkin show. And it's not like some friend of his. It's just like you hear the exact same names when you go from sports night to West Wing to newsroom. Like it's he's terrible about that. Okay. Just keep doing real stories like the the trial of the Chicago Seven because the names already exist. 
I just yeah. I just laughed out loud when I when I heard it. I was like, oh yeah, like that's kind of cool. So I think that I'm going to make it a point to to watch Voyager one more time because I I do I think that towards the end I don't know if it, maybe that's just because there's a conclusion to the story. I felt like towards the end that thing got real good. And I agree. And I kept thinking about uh, what was the episode? Is is it the year from hell episode? Yeah. I kept year, thinking we're 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 living in that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we're I kept living thinking in the year of hell. It keeps happening. Can't stop it. What an incredible way to tell a story. Yeah. That so I think with Voyager, like I said, I think it's very up and down. And so, but when they were good, they were really good. So like that Tuvix episode. There's another episode that there's a couple episodes that deal with suicide, which again, it's not something you see. There's some at the end of TNG, you know, but you don't see a ton of suicide in the future, but it, it is when you're stuck with the same 140 people trying to get back home. Like that's, that's going to be a problem. So whenever I felt like whenever Voyager kind of turned inward and looked at their issues of what, what kind of issues would come up with these 140 people and these Maquis and these uh, Starfleet people being put together? Those, I think, were their best episodes. It's when they were just trying to kind of be TNG and like, oh, let's pop into this planet and help them with this. Like, that's not going to exist because they don't even know you exist. But, you know, whenever they had to, had to like deal with their own their own crap that was some of the best the best of all the star treks i don't mean to put you on the spot but could you do a top five of ds9 episodes okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say just five of them okay and not Number um, them. not rank them okay i love take me out to the hollow suite so much you, i know you do it's a great episode um the episode i i feel like it's for the uniform i think it's called where um the the start the starfleet officer who went marquee and benjamin had to go looking for him and he kept getting bested by him michael eddington yes so that's that's number two i love that one um actually one of them i just watched today uh it's called oh man the dais cast where Garrick has to goes, interrogate Odo. Yeah. Oh Garrick my God. That is Odo. harsh. And then also like you see a little bit more of Garrick's relationship with his father and, and you understand a little bit more of the ethos of the whole, uh, of everything about why the dominion are doing what they're doing. Um, I know there has to be a wharf one. Cause I, lo- I, I really feel like DS nine was good. And then, when they brought Worf on, it just took it to a next level and also made us understand Worf a lot more and, like, understand what a Klingon in this world feels like. Oh, um, it's the one, I think it's by Inferno's Light. It's one where Cisco and Odo and O'Brien and Worf go undercover mm-hmm. as Klingons. I love that one. Um, the number five. I'm going to go with the finale, the things the things we left behind, because I thought they wrapped it up nicely enough, but not so nicely, 
that you're not still wondering about what's happening with these characters. So, and the, and the idea of Kira taking Odo to the Changeling planet to say, oh, start crying. It was so lovely. I, I, I know like later tonight I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot. I really want there to be some sort of, and we got like just a smidgen of it in DS9. I need there to be a Breen something. I oh, want to yeah. know why they hate the Federation. So, because I mean, this goes back, like the Breen go back a long way in Star Trek right. lore. And I just want to, I would love to see that play out and you could do it with subtitles or whatever. It just would be great because they were, they were the, the changelings best ally because they oh, didn't, yeah. they didn't give a shit. They were like, we are going to do this. And when, and when Starfleet found out that the brain was involved, Star, Starfleet was like, oh shit. So clearly they have fear of the brain too. So yeah, I'd love to learn more about the brain. I would almost love if how Star Wars is doing the thing of like all of the little offshoot movies or, or television shows like The Mandalorian or like Rogue One. I would love to see more of those come out of the Star Wars world. And maybe with Picard and Discovery and these sorts of things, that's what we're going to do. Have, oh, have you watched Picard yet? Yes, I watched Picard. Okay. And I'm glad you told me to stick with it because the first four episodes I was like, what's... Yeah. What is this? And then when we got to like episode five, I was like, okay, I'm with it. Yeah. I'm kind of with it right now. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure, but I would like to see more things like that. I also would like to see, I guess I'm just jumping in. These are the things I want from the star, star Trek world. Um, I want longer seasons because right now, like you're going to see with discovery for the most part, everything is like in service of this of the storyline that you were caring about. And these storylines are good and interesting and I like them. But I love more than, one of my favorite things about Deep Space Nine is how they understood pacing. And so like you would get these, you would get like a war, 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 war. And then you would get, you would get Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Or you would get Jake and Nog trying to find to buy the Willie Mays baseball card for Cisco. Or like, you would you would get a Ferengi episode or what's right. going on in Quark's bar. Like you get right. something like that. Yeah. And so like you would like they just understood how to pace the series so well, but you can only do that. I mean, they had what, 24, 25 episodes a season? Yeah, 26, actually. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I understand it's not going to be that long, but man, just a little bit longer to let let things like that happen and let let some creativity happen from your your uh, writers and see what they could come up with. Because I mean, I I really feel like Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite is the one of the very best episodes at showing how Star Trek could also be super silly and fun. And I, I will always, I, every time that episode comes on, I drop everything I'm doing and watch it. Because I just, I just love it. That one in fun with Tribbles. Like, yes. like, you're like, this is so great. Like, this is so ridiculous. I love it. It's a wonderful callback and you get to have a little bit of fun with it and, and, and all those things. Since we're discussing the things we want, I want to, I want a Kronos that's what I want. I want a Klingon homeworld. And we've talked about this. 
I don't think that there's any group in Star Trek that sets up better for an episodic than the Klingons and what's going on with the treachery in the high camp high council. You have everything you need. You have political intrigue. You have violence. You have sex. You have opera. You have all of these things that you need. You have women wearing shirts with weird poop windows. There's a lot of weird poop. Lursa and Bator. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't. Re- I was watching. I was watching one of the episodes. Uh, the the one where they they continue to shoehorn Tasha Yar in because of, they felt bad. Because yeah. Anyway, I didn't realize how on the hunt Lursa and Bator were. They, Those girls are thirsty. They were super thirsty. <laughs> and I yeah. mean, they were clearly going to kill you after they were done with you. But it may what have been, a, it would have been a fun ride. It would have been a very fun ride. But yeah, they, it is out on display. Like it is right there for you. Like, what do you think of these? And you're like, wow, that is a lot of weird cleavage that's going on. Yeah. But I will say, I can't ever picture myself as a cosplayer because it sounds like a lot of work. It's a lot of work. A lot of work and not enough payoff for me. Everybody who does it, good for you. But just, eh, I'd rather stay in sweatpants. But if I were to cosplay anybody, it would be Kalar. Oh, now you're speaking my language. I love her so much. She is so confident when she walks in a room and it's just like owns every room she walks into. She owned the damn entire Enterprise. Oh, I love her. Kalar so, made a man out of me, Maggie. I, I you know, I, I'm not surprised by that. I, when I, when I said something, I made a joke about that on Twitter. A whole lot of men were like, "Oh, oh, I, I like Kalar." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thirteen year old me was like, "Oh, oh, like I'm attracted to this Klingon woman." Fantastic. I, I am a fan of this. I like all of this stuff that's going on here huge fan of Kalar like that's a that's a good and I I kind of liked her because until then on TNG Worf is kind of this cipher you know we don't read like we know but we don't really know about him and we see her just run him in circles like you see him like you get like obviously like you get why he digs her on a physical level, but then on an emotional level, like she, she's got him. Like she absolutely has him. And when he says, um, I will not be complete until you return. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a line. Like that's a, that's a top notch line from Worf right there. And it also sets up him fall. Like you understand why he falls in love with Jadzia. When you see the other woman who he was madly in love with, when you know, like you can see he likes strong women. He likes women who can kick his ass because Kalar did. And then Jadzia did, you know, that's he, he wants that. He wants to be challenged. And I like that, that, that everything we learned about Worf and Jadzia, it was set up by his love for Kalar. We need to do a whole episode on Jadzia. Okay, right. I love her. I'm putting that on the list. Okay, put it on the list. A whole episode because 
there's so so many men were in love with Jadzia. Yeah. On DS9 that we have to talk about this and talk right. talk I'm about ready. her impact on on the DS9 universe. Is that's that's good. All right. Well, this was a, a really good first voyage. That's a, that's a good first voyage. Do you what think, are we, should we just we call it that? I was yeah. thinking like Trek Chronicles. Hmm. But if you got something better, I'm all ears. Like a Vulcan. And a Romulan. And um, a Romulan. You're not, you're not treacherous enough to be a Romulan. I'm not. I just had a thought of someone we both know who's a Romulan, but I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm too well behaved. Um, yeah, I like Trek Chronicles. I like. I don't know. I'm gonna give it some thought. Also, our listeners, if they have ideas, they can, you know. Yeah, they can let us know, and we can play around with it. I mean, for yeah. now, it can just be Maggie and Lawrence talk Star Trek. Yeah, seriously. And then we can we can name it after we get some feedback on it. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate this. This was great. This was so much fun. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is, I never get to do this. This is great. I know. This is, this is the stuff we don't get to talk about in our day jobs. You Correct. Know? Well, I mean, so, I, I try desperately to weave it in. Yeah. It's hard. Though. I, well, it's especially hard when you have a two-hour show. Like, you know? It is. Hard to- but I do have a top five segment. I haven't thought about it. Maybe I'll do my top five TNG episodes on tomorrow. Cause it's very, it's almost as controversial as top, top five rappers. Like it's, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's tough. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. I'll, I'll do that on the show and then have people yell at me because I left something out or because yeah. I made the mistake of adding in the perfect mate. And people are like, I can't believe you did that. You really, you can't. That was, Man. that was, such a great episode. He, uh, the, the guy she ends up with, it's a real shame. I real mean, shame. what a, what a piece of shit that guy I mean, is. Yeah. So, so, I mean, they had to like call the, the makeup department and be like, how can we make this dude as ugly as possible? Yeah. How Ulrich of Volt, right? Like, how can we, mm-hmm. how can we make him like, so, and Picard is so like, really? Like, he's like, he's like, you're more interested in the trade agreements. What a piece of shit you are. Like, have you seen Famke Jensen? Right. Come on. Like, and the, like, even the idea of, wait a minute, this woman can be whatever suits me, like, perfectly. But no, I need these trade agreements to go, man, kiss my ass. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I have to say. That episode, I'm going to put that down, too. We need right. to do a whole episode on the perfect mate. Well, I guess there are still some, some feminist implications about that episode too. That yes. me. Well, so well, we can we can, we can talk definitely about. talk about that. And I also think it, it it played into Picard's love life is another episode that I want to do. Yes, I would. Yes, I'm all for it. Because they tried so hard at the beginning. They're like, well, let's pair him up with this woman, and this woman was a Starfleet captain. Let's. They have a past together, and they could never quite get it right. And yeah. then the only places where it seemed to have gotten right was, you know, Inner Light, where it's not really his wife, but it's kind of his wife. And he always then, like, treats that as his other life, as an, 
important life. I was watching that. like every lady he had to send away. Right. I was watching Inner Light today, and I didn't think about this until, like, this morning. At the beginning, when he gets the flute, he's playing Farajaka. So there's still a tie to him being Picard and being from France. Oh, yeah. I never noticed that. And then... As the episode goes on, then he's playing the little tune that he remembers from his time there with these people. But I thought, like, he's playing this tune, and he's still hanging on to the idea that I'm actually Picard, and I'm not really living this life. And then, yes, I've got this French lullaby that I'm I'm playing. And then it switches on him, and he, he... dives in and plays a song that he doesn't forget for the rest of his life. And he's, he's French, but with a British accent. I mean, don't get me started. And if you start going down the IMDBs of the people who played his family, same thing. Everyone's British. Everyone's Everyone's a British Shakespearean actor. So sure. Let's put them in France. (laughs) I don't understand why you couldn't make them British. Like, I There's agree. a lot of interesting things about being British. Sure. Absolutely. All right. I won't bother you anymore. I know you got more stuff to do. We will do this again soon. I've had so much fun. This is, I can't wait to do it again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.